I don't even know what is the appropriate venue to be reading these short stories. Maybe the dentist? Welcome to Keep It Fictional, a weekly podcast for book lovers by book lovers. Build your to-be-read list with Sadie, Liz, Virginia, Fiona, and Corrine from the Port Moody Public Library. Warning, this podcast contains strong opinions and may cause an increase in your library holds list. When you read a short story, you come out a little more aware and a little more in love with the world around you. What I want is to have the reader come out just 6% more awake to the world. George Saunders. Thank you for joining in another episode of Keep It Fictional from the Port Moody Public Library. I'm here today with my two book friends, Corinne and Fiona. And as Corinne said in the beginning, when before we record, it may be fitting that today we're going to do short stories and we are a little short of people today. It's just the three of us, <laughs> but that's okay. I'm going to try and make it a, a yearly keep it fictional tradition that I force my book friends to read a short story collection every summer because I did that last year when I asked everybody to read an anthology. And this year, this episode, we are going to do short story collections by a single author. Now, I haven't been friends with short stories for a very long time. It's only been like a year, but we are in a pretty good relationship right now, I find. And I think it's because I figure out how to enjoy them. <laughs> I have never understood them for the longest time. And I think I've said this, but it's very much like my relationship with coffee. Because when I first started coffee, people tell me that like, oh, well, you should try coffee. Go get a latte. Go get a mocha. Go get a cappuccino. Go get these like fancy long names things that has all this stuff on it. And I hated all of them because I'm like, like whatever Corinne is drinking right now. I'm like, what, what is that? What is this? Like, why would anyone drink this? And then it was only until I finally tried real coffee, which is just coffee with nothing in it. Then that's when I realized, oh, that's why people love coffee, because this is what coffee is supposed to taste like. And that is very much like short stories, because... And the same thing, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to get into this format. And I was trying anthologies as a book, a collection of so many different ones. So try it. If you don't like one, it's okay. You can pick another one. And there was just too many flavors and my stomach just can't deal with it. I'm like, what is this? This is just too much. And I cannot switch from one to another. And the buffet just wasn't working for me. And it's only until I started reading this. This was what started at all, The Dangers of Smoking in Bed by Marianne Enrique. I'm like, okay, let's see what this is. And that's when I realized short stories is actually something that I can actually deal with as long as it is a single author collection. Because for me, it feels like when I'm reading a novel, I'm trying to get to know the characters. I'm trying to get to know their hopes and dreams. And I want to see how they will deal with the world. And in a short story collection by one author, I am trying to get to know the author. I want to see their hopes and dreams. I get to know how they would deal with all different kinds of stories. And I find that because there's like multiple stories in it and a good short story collection, the voice of the author 
always comes through so clearly throughout the entire collection. And I just feel like I get to know them a lot more. And that's probably why I decided that, you know, like Show's Choice is actually pretty great. That's my little journey with short stories. And I'm going to ask my book friends now to see whether you have a relationship with short stories or not. And it's okay if you don't. How gives our listeners would like to get into short stories? Like that's my way of doing it, but I'm sure there are other ways of, you know, like getting to know short stories. And um, I know I'm going to ask Fiona first because I'm pretty sure they have a very different way of approaching short stories than me. Yeah, definitely have a growing relationship with short stories. And I'm actually going to agree with you on a lot of those things, Virginia. I really appreciate the intro quote that you gave uh, because I found a knockout short story collection that that is what it did for me. It challenged my uh, imagination so much. And that's what I want from a book. And sometimes it can be a lot with a short story collection when you're like, wow, amazing. And then you get to the next thing and you're like, oh, I'm not ready to switch. But I guess this one had enough ones that were kind of like fine, whatever, that then when a really good one came along, I was able to engage again and really appreciate it. So yeah, and also I think that because this is such a great author, it really worked because I am just really enjoying getting to know this author. So I read The Paper and Menagerie by Ken Liu, who is an incredible author, and I believe he is the creator of Silk Punk. So I went back and forth in this collection of like, oh man, I can't wait to read this author's other stuff. And then like, nope, never again, putting this down. I'm done. I'm done with you, Ken Liu. I think I came out the other side of, of very energized and excited about him, but he's definitely not without his faults. So this is uh, also a huge story collection. Some of them are like, full-on novellas in there, I swear. And then others are little tidbits and it has just a lot of stories in it. I don't know, like at least 12, maybe 15. So it's it's kind of gargantuan. We open with the bookmaking habits of select species. This is almost unintelligible, but in a really like beautiful way that challenged my imagination a lot. It's about all of these different species and like the way you writes like I can't I can't regurberate like any of this because it's just so select uh in the way that he he talks about his subjects and so creative so it's about all of these different species in the universe and and their relationship to stories and that's like the best description I can do it's it's wild it's so imaginative which is interesting because he also has some very generic stories. <laughs> he has this like one take on privacy and technology that was just blah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Uh, maybe, maybe that would have been interesting 30 years ago. <laughs> like very, very uh, uh, didactic. But then when he hits his, his stride, so inventive, which is why it's interesting that he can also be generic. And he has this leans towards grittiness that is very like uh, 1990s Marvel. And that is when I kind of zoned out a lot or even occasionally skipped stories because they were just too gritty for the sake of being gritty. And he very much has this perspective of the world that men are bad, evil people, children are hope for the future, and bad things happen, but we need to kind of like maintain our like self 
self-pride, <laughs> essentially. And I feel like that is the thread throughout. And sometimes that's gritty and upsetting. And other times that's triumphant and amazing. And again, he just he just flip-flops between being very boring with these ideas and being so incredibly creative. So I would say that you can almost cherry pick um, in this in this uh, short story collection if you would like. And it's almost better to go into it knowing more and kind of uh, select what is going to be good for you. Because this book also comes with every content warning you can think of. <laughs> Sexual violence, violence against children, violence against animals, racist language, like just anything that's going to upset you is in this book. And some of that I was happy to skip and others I felt was really used in, an, in a devastatingly amazing way. The title story, uh, The Paper Menagerie, is about a young boy. His mother was a male border bride uh, and his father is an American. And it's really about his relationship with his mother, who, as he grows older, he he becomes continually more frustrated with her inability to fit into American culture. But she has this amazing gift. She can bring life to the paper creatures that she creates. So she makes him a beautiful tiger and fish who he realizes can't live out of water. And then when they are put in water because they're paper, they dissolve. So he has this beautiful paper menagerie built uh, by his mom and eventually puts it in a box to forget about and comes back to it later in life as his mother is dying. It is such a beautiful reflection of, I think, being multiracial in America and the ways we fit and don't fit. And I sobbed. I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. Like, uh, this made me cry more than maybe any story ever has. Uh, just beautiful. But also, respect if it's something that you don't want to put yourself through. Same thing with the Literomancer. It's about an expat American family in Taiwan. And again, it's told from this, like, young girl's perspective. She's very naive. She's she's open-minded, unlike her parents. Um, and it's this sort of, like, archetype that he uses a lot. And uh, she comes into contact with this older man and his grandson. And he uses literomancy, taking the characters from names to tell the future about them. There's water buffalo in it, which I really enjoyed. And it was all really lovely. And, and this budding relationship, this intergenerational budding relationship. And then everything goes horribly wrong, horribly, horribly wrong. It was so upsetting. I put the book down for like four months and and didn't touch it uh, because I was so scarred from it. So that, I would say, like, uh, for me, the paper menagerie was worth feeling those feelings. I'm still not so sure about the Literomancer. Yeah, strong content warning for torture. There are also, so I think he does this amazing sci-fi at its absolute best. Just like challenging your brain, so fascinating and interesting. Um, there were quite a few of those stories that just went to places that I've never seen sci-fi go before. But then he also does like historical and um, myth mythological things. A lot of stories nested in stories. Those are the two things that I I love is mythology and like sci-fi. Like people who are willing to really go there with those things to challenge your imagination. And and so I I got a lot out of this. All the flavors, a much longer one, was one I really enjoyed. It honestly was like gritty Auntie Poe. 
It's the New Frontier. It's Chinese American gold panners in Idaho. And again, we have this like naive, sweet young American girl who's developing this relationship with an older man. A mentor relationship with this older Chinese man, and he tells her stories about Guan Yu, this great warrior who can never die. Yeah, it was. It's just, I think, a wonderful reclaiming of uh, the Chinese experience, American experience of the frontier. And I haven't really talked that much about the sci-fi. Again, it's because I don't. I feel like I don't have the vocabulary to like reiterate it. But there was one called The Regular about a private detective in some sort of near future and it and she is hunting a serial killer who targets sex workers so like normally for me that would be a no like just pass and I did almost pass in the beginning of the story but then finished it and ultimately I was a really cool exploration of some sci-fi ideas and a cool like character story as well like she's a little bit this like sort of you know, had a tough past and then she ultimately triumphs over it. But she is, like, I would say Liu is kind of obsessed with the idea of the bionic woman. And so she, because she has had this really difficult past uh, and lost her daughter, she has this implant that is commonly used by police and other um, workers like that, basically regulates your emotions. It's called the irregulator. And you're supposed to kind of use it you know, two hours a day to help you make um, non-emotionally driven decisions. But because she's had such such a hard time, she keeps it on all the time, except for the one hour a day where she absolutely has to, so her brain doesn't turn to mush. And that's when all of these memories come flooding back and she has to deal with her emotions. So she takes on this case to find the serial killer who's killing sex workers. And he, it turns out he's hunting women for these eye implants uh, that essentially take videos basically of their clientele for security, but they're so undetectable. They're not legal. People don't really know about them, except for this serial killer who wants to take them and use them for blackmail. So again, it's like, oh, I don't really care about like gritty cops and, and horrible murders, but this just integration of really cool ideas about the way uh, humans could potentially augment themselves and then weaving those in with thoughts about what makes us human um and and his sci-fi is is never just what if this it's like what if this and and what does that say about people and society and they're just so deep even in these short little stories so oh the waves was another great one about uh space exploration and what happens when we go into space and then we just continue to develop and evolve like what happens you know thousands and thousands and thousands of years from now to those people in space so yeah just fascinating fascinating stuff that can be cherry picked absolutely <laughs> if you want to know what the story is about before like read up on it i don't think it will ruin it because when there's a surprise in the story, it's really horrible and gritty. So you might want to know about it in advance. And because he's so like inventive, I don't think knowing what the story is about will ruin it in any way because it's so much about his description. Yeah, just just amazing. And I can't wait to read his fantasy sci-fi series. That is The Paper Menagerie by Ken Liu. Highly recommended. I think there's something for everyone in there. Thank you, Fiona. That sounds like a really interesting one. I can't quite tell how much you like it. 
when you talk about it. But um, I can see that it's like it's it varies a little bit, and there's definitely some really great, surprising, definitely passionate. I don't like I don't know about like, but definitely passionate about it. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. And feel and and I will ask each person that since there's only three of us. The essential question for today, um, Fiona, is do you remember like a, a short story that you read in high school? Was there anything that made like an impression on you? I'm going to cheat and um, steal one from university because I don't remember reading any in, in high school. But one that really left an impression on me, I did my undergrad in anthropology. And we read this, it was called like the Nicerium or something like that. It's the word American backwards. And... <laughs> It was uh, it, so it's this whole thing about like basically, you know, you read through it about this society where they do all this crazy stuff, and then you get to the end and it's like, guess what? That's you. And it really made a big impression on me because you know it was that time when when you first start university and you're taking everything in and you're like, wow, I've never seen that before. I'm reflecting on myself. This is crazy, but it did really leave an impression on me and and kind of like set the stage for for my whole degree of thinking about anthropology of like, you know, when we other, other societies where this is what it looks like to just describe something and not, and not understand it. Yeah. So that, that left a big impression on me. Well, I am going to go next because we got a, a pretty speculative one from Fiona today. And I think I might be the one who has a regular if that's the word not non-weird collection which is just bizarre but this is the collection the third short shorter correction that i read last year that sort of cemented that relationship then i'm like yes let's start this lifelong relationship and as i said it is it is just not as definitely not as weird as all the other collections that is going to be talked about today um this is a debut collection by author leslie naka arima and it is called what it means when a man falls from a sky. And I believe I read this last year for a readathon, I think. One of the quotes I found when I was looking up sort of quotes for short story is from Edgar Allan Poe, who said, a short story must have a single mood and every sentence must build towards it. And I would extend it to say a short story collection really should have a single mood and every story should also build towards it. And so starting with the first story in this book, it really sets the mood of what this collection is going to be about in just eight pages. The story is called The Future Looks Good. And we begin with Asima, who's fumbling with her keys, trying to unlock the door. And because of that, she didn't see what came behind her. First, it was her father when he was a little boy. When he was a little boy who was trying to get his stepmother's attention and affection, but his stepmother just refuses to love him. They dance around each other, boy waltzing forward with want, woman pirouetting away. The sentences in this book is so good. Anyway, she didn't see her mother coming behind her. Her mother who came from a family of privilege, but lost it all because they belonged to the wrong side of the civil war in Nigeria. She didn't see her sister, Bibi, coming behind her. As Sima grows up yearning for her sister's affection, but there is none to give because Bibi never shares. 
Bibi, who is beautiful, who is stubborn, just like her mother. The mother and daughter, they fight all the time ever since Bibi was in the womb. So, of course, Bibi won't listen to her mother when she tells her that, no, the man that you're going to run away with is no good for you. And that is how Ansima ends up here, carrying all that behind her, fumbling with a pair of keys and trying to unlock a door. And she didn't see what came behind her. And the story ends with probably one of the two best last lines in this collection that is going to knock you out. So you're going to be staying down there and it's going to take a while before you can get back up in just eight pages. And that is what all these stories are like in this collection. They are a knockout. And the first story really kind of tells us the kinds of story that that is in this collection. And they explore mostly very complicated familial relationships between parent and child, especially between mother and daughter, between siblings, between cousins, and layer on top of that. And what often makes these relationships so antagonistic is what the ideas that each girl, each woman have. What do I need to do? How should I behave in order to survive, in order to be allowed to live? And these conflicting ideas of what a girl who hasn't really known the world thinks she should do versus a mother who has already been through it. In the story called Lights, we have a father and a belly who feels like he's living the life of a single father, taking care of his daughter while his wife went to study in the States. And he could just see the relationship between the mother and the daughter growing apart every single time they talk on the phone. His wife, a mother who is just trying to prepare her 14-year-old for the world, she will say to her daughter, stop laughing so loud, dear. Or how is it that I can hear you chewing all the way here in America? What do you mean daddy made you breakfast? You're old enough to be cooking. And she's just trying to make sure her daughter knows how to stay alive. But Annabelle is also trying to keep her daughter alive, keep her daughter's light alive, because she did not realize that the world will so easily snuff out any light that a daughter has, that she would be returned to him, hollow out, relief of her better parts. And Annabelle just want her daughter to know that it is okay to yell in your face every time she wins a game against her father. She just, he just want to see her keeping that spark, keeping that fire in her forever and ever. In Bucci's girl, Bucci is a widow who, whose husband died in an accident and she has to move in with her sister and her brother-in-law so that she has the means to raise her two daughters. One of her daughters hasn't spoken because she witnessed the accident and the other who has turned from a hard diamond to dust, eager to please, totally at the back and call of her aunt and uncle because she understands that they could be kicked out at any moment. Even though she's the sister she cleans, she cooks, she runs errands just like all the other servants in the house. And she watches her brother-in-law, Dixon, set in that sprawl way of his unselfconscious, completely believing in his right to take up space. What is a mother to do if there's no other way to provide for your children? 
you keep your mouth shut. That's what she does. In glory, we have our main character, Glory Be to God. That's her full name, but um, everybody call her Glory, and you can see why. Except her grandfather, who called her that girl, because one look at her when she was a baby, he said that girl has something rotten in her, and maybe that is true because she's almost thirty, but she seems like she's never made a right decision. She's always attracted to the wrong side. She's always a Attracted to doing the wrong thing, and it seems like she's just followed by chronic bad luck. But maybe her luck has changed because she met a man in the call center that she works in, and it turns out that this new colleague is not one of the grunts, but he's actually a manager, and he has came down to see what real front line is like. So she, he has tried to work some front line experience. And somehow he has taken a liking to her, and he's talking about the we, the us, that future that is a we and an us. And she knows that she just has to believe in it. She knows that this is the right thing to do. That she just have to invest herself in this we and us future. But she realized this planning, this we and us future, has nothing to do with her. Everything is already planned out for her. So she's wondering, is it okay? It's okay, right? I mean, this is the right thing to do. I should just follow this plan that has been handed to her. Who wouldn't? It's great luck for her, but can she really do that? And in the other story that has one, probably the most devastating story in the collection, with the other most appropriate last line for the the book, is a story called Windfalls. This is a story told in a second person point of view. And it's about a mother and daughter, and you are sort of the daughter, and、uh, they are a pair of con artists. They earn a living by faking falls and getting settlements out of、uh, a store, out of a company. And you have been trained when you were young to know how to fall, to know how to cry, to know how to fake an injury. It depends on the owner of the store. Depends on the age. Depending on the gender, you know. Sometimes the mother has to do the talking. Sometimes the daughter has to do it. And they have worked out this scheme. And they run from town to town in order to evade arrest and try to continue the scheme that they are doing. But something has to change because you got pregnant, and you said to your mother. We need to settle down. We need to do something. And your mother snap at you and say, "You don't think I know that? Are you saying that I'm a bad mother?" And then the story leads to kind of an inevitable ending, which is just devastating. But that one last line, which I hope you will pick up this collection and discover for yourself, is just like Fiona talk about sobbing for throughout her story. I. I It just I I was too stunned to sob to sob. It was just it was so gut wrenching, and that I feel like it's like all the stories in this in this collection. They are all kind of like that, and and they all have that. You you watch these women, you watch these girls have their lives sucked out of them, as you feel like your life is getting sort of sucked out also by these stories. Leslie Nika Arema has such a good command of language. Like all her sentences are so simple, but they are deceptively simple. There's no wasted word in her story. Everything just fits, and they are so beautiful, and they are just fantastic. And you just want to read the stories over and 
over again, and they are just that good. Yeah, most of the stories, like I said, it was this is a pretty grounded collection. There are a couple that is kind of maybe a little bit more magical realism. In the title story, for example, what it means when a man falls from the sky is sort of set in a post-apocalyptic world where a lot of continents have disappeared because of climate change. And so a lot of people are being displaced. A lot of people become refugees. But that's okay because the mathematicians have figured out this infinite formula. They have discovered this grand infinite formula. And every little bit of it you can give, you know how to interpret it, you can use it to your advantage. And the main character, Naomi, has figured out how to take a little bit of it in order to take away people's emotions. And she especially specialized in taking away people's grief. And there's a lot of that around. But of course, like everything else, only the rich, only the wealthy can afford her service. Versus her ex-girlfriend, Kioni, who exclusively works with refugees to try to take that away. But one day, a man falls from the sky. A man who believes he has rightfully interpreted this formula to be able to defy gravity and takes flight. A man who has been flying around, but one day he fell. And, and everybody starts to wonder, like, is... There a problem with this formula and what happens to all those people who uses it to try to do other things. Yeah, but most of the stories very, very grounded. And and I I just I love this book so much. Be prepared to just get punch with every single story. It is that kind of book. It's devastating. It's really hard to read, but yet it is also kind of like Fiona said, it, it really makes you think about what it means to be a human. And in this case, it's set against background in Nigeria. So you also get sort of that past of Niger the Nigerian history hanging over all the stories and hanging over all the characters in this book. I love it a lot and I hope you will give it a chance. This is what it means when a man falls from the sky by Leslie Naker Arena. Hmm. So you're a fan now, Virginia, but what was the short story that made an impact on you when you were in high school? I I don't remember. Um, to be honest, the only one that I remember reading, because I, I hasn't been a fan for that long, right? The only one that I remember was The Lottery by Shirley Jackson. And I'm pretty sure when I read it, I, I probably don't understand it. My English was awful at that point. Like, what was I reading? I have no idea. But, you know, I did not realize that, like, she's the, the you know, such a giant in, in the genre. But, um, yeah. So I think that was sort of the only story that I kind of remember, The Lottery. All right. Well, from a science fiction to something a little more realistic, I guess. And then we're going to head over to Corrine, who I feel like maybe um, decided that banana pants is a good thing. Yes, the role of Virginia in this episode will be being played by Corrine. Yeah. So at the beginning of the episode, you had mentioned the anthology episode that we did, which caused me more strife than any other episode of this podcast. And we're almost at how many, how many episodes are we at, Virginia? 90, 90-ish. 90-ish. 90 of the 90-ish episodes that we have been doing, that one caused me the most grief because short stories and I are not friends. Again, as people were characterizing their relationships with it, mine is more like an awkward acquaintance that I sometimes run into at like a restaurant or at the farmer's market and like, oh, what are you up to? And they're like, oh, you know, collecting old baby teeth and making a mosaic of them in my bathroom. And you're like, 
Oh, cool. See you around. That is how I feel about short stories. They're doing something interesting and some people appreciate it, but it's just not for me. And I probably did not help myself by, again, not really thinking about what choice I had to make, just blindly going into the catalog, typing in short stories, sorting it by which was the newest and picking the book that was at the top of the list that was in the library. And I knew that this boded pretty poorly for me when I had the uh, book at my desk and Virginia went by and went, oh, oh. And then to add to my apprehension of this, uh, Mark also came by and looked at that book and went, oh, oh, you're, you're going to read that one? You're going to read that book? And I did. And Virginia did warn me. She's like, oh, well, let me, let me, let me know what you think about that, that first couple, that, that first story there. I'm really interested to know what you think. Uh, yeah, just a heads up. Like, it's a little weird. And I was like, oh, oh. If Virginia thinks it's weird, if Virginia thinks it's weird, if this collection was too much for Mark, I don't think it's going to be for me. And yet, and yet, I didn't hate it. I have some questions for the author (laughs) vis-a-vis what happened to you in your life that made you write this. And with that tagline in mind, the short story collection that I chose was Cursed Bunny, which has a deceptively kind of cute cover. It is by the South Korean author Jung Bora, and it is her collection of 10 short stories that are translated from Korean into English by Anton Hur. It was actually shortlisted for the 2022 International Booker Prize, and this author Uh, I I would just love to sit down and just be like, tell me about you. Like, what's up? She is the daughter of two dentists, which I feel like weirdly has a lot to do with how she turned out. And she kind of makes her career trans uh, writing, but then also translating books in Russian and Polish into Korean. So she is herself a translator and a writer and, um, a very unique mind. So again, this is a collection of 10 stories, all of them equally as disturbing in their own way. This is not like a cool beach read. Let me be very clear. This is not a cool beach read. I don't even know what is the appropriate venue to be reading these short stories. Maybe the dentist? Maybe because you're already anticipating that bad things are going to happen. So when the bad things happen in these stories, you're like, oh, that's not too bad. Um, It has been described as a collection of genre bending, uh, magical realism and sci-fi and horror. Uh, um, It kind of goes through, again, the horrors of capitalism and the patriarchy in a very unique way. If you enjoy being disturbed, let me recommend the very first story in the collection, which kind of sets you up for the tone. 
which if you're feeling queasy, don't listen to this. So a woman goes to the washroom and then out of the toilet pops up a toilet baby that is slowly being made out of all of the things that she puts in the toilet. <laughs> she puts in the toilet and the the baby wants more. It wants more stuff put in the toilet and it calls her mother because it's made out of her. And as the story said, it's just a baby from different bits of her. Yeah. And she doesn't care for that. The story is called The Head because the baby starts with the head and then slowly starts accumulating more bits. This won the 1998 Yosei Literature Prize. <laughs> oh, and we're just getting started on this roller coaster of fun. The second story is, if not worse, more disturbing. Oh, Virginia, don't give me that look. It was so much worse about a woman who uh, is having trouble with her period and so takes birth control, but she takes birth control too long. And if you take birth control for too long, then you'll get pregnant. But the baby is not fully formed because you need a man to help you with that. So she has to find a man to marry her and make the baby a real baby but she's having a real problem with that because um, it's hard to explain of, yes, I'm pregnant, but not really with a real baby. So I need you to make it a real baby. And no, it's not from some other person. I just took birth control for too long. Oh God, I'm not doing this very well. This story is called The Embodiment. It ends horrifically. Very, very terrible. And then there's the titular story of the Cursed Bunny. And this happened because a very famous literary uh, magazine in Korea called The Mirror was doing an Asian Zodiac-inspired anthology, and all the good animals were taken. <laughs> so she was left with the bunny, which is cute and fluffy and lovely. And so she took that and did something very bad with it. Very bad. About a cursed bunny lamp that wreaks revenge on one family for putting their alcohol business out of into bankruptcy and so it slowly eats people's brains okay oh yeah Ugh. none of them more disturbing i would argue than the snare which is about um well what what do you want do you want parents harming their children do you want incest? Do you want ghosts? Do you want horrific things happening? Well, by goodness, this story has everything for you. Well, um, so those are kind of the highlights of the collection. They do, I, I, again, to paraphrase Stefan, this book has everything, every horror imaginable. 
There are some sci-fi ones about what if androids are there to kill you. Of course, they're here to kill you. They're androids. There are ghost stories, which I actually really enjoyed. I thought the ghost stories were actually splendid and had some kind of reveals at the end that I, I, I gasped at. There are some that kind of play into more like mythology or a fantasy or a fairy tale, but not like a good fairy tale, like a bad fairy tale, bad fairy tale. And... Yeah, it's it's some of them that kind of read like, what if Gladiator had a giant cow monster in it? Like, who would go there? Oh, so to wrap all this up as best I can, if you are looking for, again, as Virginia Riley said, a book that challenges you then this is a book that is going to challenge you. If you are looking for some very straightforward short stories about not body horror, then this is not a collection for you. However, even though I'm doing a terrible job explaining what these stories are about, I honestly really enjoyed it. It's not my thing. And again, as Virginia said, it's it's banana pants. It is genuinely unhinged stuff. Um, but it is so well done and so well written. And at the end of it, you just kind of like sit with it. You sit with some of the imagery. You sit with some of the writing. You sit with some of like the, the themes or the questions that she's asking through the stories. And I genuinely think that like some of these stories for better or for worse, are going to just stick with me for the rest of my life. Like, like some of the characters in this book, I will be haunted by them. I will be haunted by them forever. And again, like if you can get through just like, how to say this, the content of the first two stories plus the snare, that one was really disturbing. I think you'll really enjoy it. But as I said, do not be deceived by the cute bunny on the front. Do not think because this is a cute, like, pink little bunny with, like, a cute purple cover and it looks like a fun little paperback that that's what you're going to get because that ain't it. That is not it. But if you can get over that, you are going to find a very singular mind operating at the top of their game. Very good job describing that collection and kudos to you for reading it and sticking with it i know you like to finish book but i was not 100 percent sure that you were going to make it through but you're absolutely right it's as weird and horrific many of them are you just can't look away there's something very mesmerizing that you just want to know what is going on you you really do like oh why why are we doing this yeah <laughs> why are yeah. we doing this I'm like okay okay we're getting i'm getting there oh i see what you're doing here ah okay thank you yeah but i know you, i know you read this virginia and I, I could see why you would really like this. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The first story just sold me on it. I'm like, I need to read this now. And I read it in one sitting because they, they were all just like, ah, what else do you have for me? <laughs> <laughs> 
oh yeah, she uh, she's always gonna zag. Yeah, right. And she does not disappoint. I'm like, oh yeah, you have more. You have more. Oh yeah, just when you think she's reached the because again, the first story is a lot to take in, and I thought, oh, that's 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 as crazy as this is gonna get. And, oh no. No, 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 no. There's so much more to go. There's so much more to go. Yeah. But it's it's also like you said, I think like there's this commentary on society that is hidden beneath the very weirdness of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a lot of story, which I find. Yeah, no, she's wielding that weirdness like a knife. Like very, or I would say almost like, like a scalpel to very precisely like peel away the layer of, of what she wants to say. She she is a self-described like social activist. And I can see it in this writing because all of these stories, as weird as they are, once you kind of get over the, the the overlying narrative of what it is about and you actually think about, okay, but what is she actually talking about? Um, they're really incisive and they're really, they're really sharp and cutting and yeah, even even the horrible story about uh, the embodiment of, of trying to find a man to it to complete the second half of the the impregnation it was just like if you sit with it for a while, it's honestly one of like the most devastating feminist stories ever written, ever written. Yeah, I, like the shove over Handmaid's Tale. Like this is <laughs> this is yeah. I, she she's really quite incredible and i'm hoping that more of her stuff does get um translated because i would i'd be interested in reading a novel although again like short stories are not my thing but i honestly think that she's so well suited to the format as much as it hurts me to say that because (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for reading short stories that's amazing and you can see now there are only two of us (laughs) Because it is a short story episode, I guess. People just disappeared. Um, or Fiona would just be like, nah, uh-uh, no. It was too weird. No, no thank you. Too weird. <laughs> yep, that's right. Um, but I hope you would. There are many, many, many short story collections out there. Many different types of short story collection out there. Hope you will all give it a try. And as David Sidera said, a good short story will take me out of myself and then stuff me back in. Outsize now and uneasy with the fit. And I think all the short stories that all of us have read have done that to all of us. It's just now we kind of look at everything a little weird and it just doesn't, yeah. Anyway, so yes, please give short story a try. Um, We've got a lot more at the library Um, and come up to the desk and we will introduce you to weird and not weird short stories. We will find them for you. <laughs> all right, so thank you again. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please tell a fellow book lover about it. You can find a list of all the books we discussed in our show notes. Join us next week for another fun book chat. Until then, keep it fictional. 